Hey, sis! From coast to coast, we're bridging the gap between the cisgender and transgender community, creating meaningful dialogue and space to learn and grow. Join us as we connect with our community, break down tough conversations, and get comfortable being better humans. Welcome to Hey Sis. My name is Isaac Cook. I use they, he pronouns, and I am a trans social scientist living in Mi'kmaq. Hey, my name is Sin Sweeney. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the mother of a trans child and also live in Mi'kmaq. Today marks our final episode of season three. And with that, I am sharing that after this season, I will unfortunately be stepping down as co-host of Hey Sis podcast as I direct my focus onto other ventures. The past three years have been absolutely incredible. And I am honored to have had so many incredible conversations with members of the 2S LGBTQ plus community across the globe, digging deeper onto topics that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Although I'm not going anywhere, and you can certainly still expect to hear my voice every now and then as a guest speaker, I'm thrilled to share that moving forward, our fantastic colleague, Emma Stanley, will be joining Sin on Hey Sis. Emma, say hello and tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Hey, Isaac. I'm Emma Stanley. I'm a inclusion consultant with Simply Good Form. I use she, her pronouns. I'm transgender, and I've recently started living here in Mi'kma'ki, and I'm just so excited to be part of the show. Well, we are super excited to have you joining the show and knowing that Isaac is going to get pulled back in probably to multiple episodes in season four because we just can't let him go. But we do wish Isaac all the very best on their future endeavors. Today, we have an incredible episode planned for everyone on Hey Sis. We're going to be talking about advocacy and how to create inclusive environments for trans and queer individuals. However, it is becoming increasingly more common, especially online, for trans advocates to experience an array of adversity, death threats, and even doxing. For those who may not be familiar with the term doxing, it is the search for and publishing of private or identifying information about a particular individual on the internet, and typically it's with malicious intent. During International Women's Day in March of 2023, Hershey Canada launched a campaign that featured five women on limited edition chocolate bars. One of these women was Faye Johnstone. Faye said that within 72 hours of the campaign's launch, she became the subject of mass online hate that included death threats, encouragement of suicide, and self-harm. Her personal information was also released online, and I cannot even begin to explain how terrifying of an experience that is. Targeted harassment campaigns towards transgender individuals, specifically trans women and QT BIPOC folks are on the rise, and in some cases are even normalized. We're here today to talk about advocacy despite adversity. Faye uses they, she pronouns, is the executive director and co-owner of Wisdom to Action, a 2SLGBTQIA plus owned and operated consulting firm and president of the Society of Queer Momentum, a 2SLGBTQIA plus advocacy nonprofit. She is a leading voice on 2SLGBTQIA plus issues in Canada, a prominent advocate for queer and trans rights, a recurring voice in Canadian news on 2SLGBTQIA plus issues. Over the past 10 years, Faye has trained thousands of people and hundreds of workplaces of 2SLGBTQIA plus inclusion. So first and foremost, we sincerely want to acknowledge, Faye, that we are incredibly thankful for you being here today with us, especially given your incredibly busy schedule. Your national engagement is making waves in many ways. So firstly, thank you for your time today and welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, and thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on with you all today. Fantastic. So let's kick things off with kind of a Hey, sis classic, as we like to call it. Where do you currently reside and where do you call home? 
so I live on unceded, unsurrendered Algonquin Anishinaabe territory, colonially known as Ottawa. Though, depending on who you ask, half of our clients seem to think I live in Toronto, the other half in Halifax. But Ottawa has indeed been home for about 14 years. That's interesting because I actually thought, I think when I first reached out to you, I was like, oh, we, you live in Halifax. And this is something I read. I'm like, wow, you're local. And then I read something else and went, no, no, you're not. So one of my co-owners is a Haligonian and the other lives in the Valley. And so, and the business is technically registered there. So it, there's, we like to, you know, creates a little uh, aura of mystery around me. <laughs> I love it. Oh no, we, we love it. And actually furthering on the mystery, uh, we noticed that on LinkedIn, your pronouns say she, they, however, in your bio, they are they, she, and we're often asked about best practices. So do you have a preference and is there a reason why one comes ahead of the other? Uh, absolutely not. I am a like either one. I like to say journalist to journalist, like just pick one because otherwise people will be confused while giving space to anyone who likes a mix it up but I I couldn't care less either way just don't call me the other one and we're gonna have a good time together. Faye you're described as a leading advocate for queer and trans communities rights health and safety in Canada. For 10 years you've been challenging Canadian governments to advance systemic change for 2SLGBTQ communities and you've been named a leader and one to watch by multiple organizations. And your bio also says, and she's on a chocolate bar, <laughs> which, yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, it's not untrue. The louder the adversity, the larger the headlines. Can we talk for a minute about the chocolate bar? Absolutely. I, it, was, it was quite, uh, quite an experience, uh, in, in all honesty, I think. So maybe like for, to, to take us all back, um, Every year, Hershey's Canada does an International Women's Day campaign. Uh, each year, they uh, have a different theme. Last year, it was like women on the streets. So it was very like street culture vibe. Uh, and this year, it was around young women who are doing cool things. Uh, and I was super honored to have Hershey's drop into my inbox. I definitely thought it was a spam email. I was like, someone is trying to take money from me. Um, and I Googled and searched and it turned out to be legitimate. Uh, and they invited me to be one of five young women on the 2023 International Women's Day campaign, which meant that we would get like a cute little ad spot on socials and these special edition chocolate bars uh, that would have our likeness depicted upon them. So that was super cool. Uh, and I was like, excited and scared and nervous. And I also usually like don't do things with like big corporations. Uh, so it was a like, I'm going to do this, see how it goes. Um, but it's probably going to be like a one and done thing. But it was like the kind of thing that's hard to say no to, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so that was like, it was really exciting. But then uh, it got a little bit messy. And by a little bit messy, I mean, I, I coincidentally spawned an international boycott campaign targeting the entire Hershey's Corporation. So on March 1st, uh, the ads went live. The chocolate bars were uh, available in stores. And I, naive, excited uh, human that I was at that point, uh, posted on Twitter uh, about my inclusion within the campaign. Nothing could have prepared me for what the next seven days looked like because uh, immediately or within the next like 72 hours, uh, my tweet blew up in the far right ecosystem uh, and not just like the Canadian one. We were ready for that. We were somewhat expecting like rebel news is always going to have feelings. Jordan Peterson really doesn't like trans folks. He was going to say something about it. 
What we didn't expect was, you know, Matt Walsh or Ben Shapiro or Tucker Carlson, reviled human that he is, to do a segment um, on me. And so within uh, the period of that week, I had hundreds of articles from every kind of like anti-queer, anti-trans publication. That includes like uh, One Million Moms, who are the like anti-abortion pro-lifers, those uh, in America. That includes like, I think the like evangelical publications and priests and religious leaders uh, and, you know, hundreds of articles all across the world, including in the UK, uh, in Brazil, in India, everywhere you can imagine. And like millions of views uh, on videos talking about me. I had people diving into my personal life. Like there is, uh, there are articles right now out there that have like information about who my parents are, where I've lived, um, that have like pre-transition photos of me and my dead name is like front and center through all of them. And then I had security guards put on me for six days straight because we were so worried. Uh, you know, Tucker Carlson's audience, they're not like your wonderful, lovey-dovey human beings. They're not even your average, like, quote-unquote, American. These are often, like, neo-Nazis and white supremacists who take their cues from the, like, seven or eight figureheads who were mentioning me quite aggressively. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had the wonderful experience of driving around in a bulletproof van. And the only positive thing in this was, at least I saved some money on my Ubers. Well, and if you ever run for, you know, or when you run for prime minister, you know, it's all out there already, right? Yeah, like if they like, dug up everything. And this is actually like, I used to work at a sex shop. I was half expecting them to find the pictures of me holding dildos. Uh, and they didn't find those. So they dug, but they were kind of lazy about it. So in the campaign too, as well, because you mentioned there were uh, a few other women as well on, on chocolate bars, was anyone else targeted or was it, it was strictly you? It was strictly me. Um, and as far as I know, like it, there might've been like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some folks, like there were black and racialized women, indigenous women mm -hmm. included in the campaign. I would not be shocked if they got some hate as well. Um, but I didn't see any articles. Like it didn't become a, like a, a crisis or a controversy. And my favorite fun fact is that I'm not the first translated to be on their chocolate bars. Just last year, they had a wonderful trans woman who works at the 519 in Toronto as one of their five features. And I think the like degree of hate that came my way just a year later shows like, A, don't be a trans person on social media, but B, um, it shows just how quickly this like conspiracy and anti-trans extremism has like taken root and become a fixation of the far right across North America. Yeah, it's really escalating, like in the last year. I'm still, I'm kind of digesting like everything you just said now. I find it so, so shocking, um, you know, the vitriol that you had to go through. Uh, how was Hershey's with you through it? And just looking back on it, like, you know, what are your thoughts? Would, would, in hindsight, would you do it again? Would I do it again? Um, mm -hmm. That's a great question. So soon after this all happened, organizations across Canada came to my defense in a really compelling way. So, you know, major feminist orgs, civil rights organizations, queer and trans organizations, all across North America spoke out and stood in solidarity, which was incredible. Uh, the other side of that is that they then all got stomped on to a lesser extent themselves. Like some of them broke their own records for the most visibly on their tweets on social media uh, because they mentioned my name and they got people, I got angry about it. Uh, but then the, the boon in that, the positive side is that, is that I think it helped wake folks up 
to the dangers that we are seeing and the degree, again, of conspiracy. Like, I think a lot of folks will say, you know, trans folks get hate or queer folks get hate. Um, and it becomes something you just like anticipate, you take for granted, but you don't really take it seriously. You think it's a thing that happens over there. Uh, and it helped folks understand that this is like the leading issue, the wedge issue that a lot of these extremists are obsessed with right now. Like it pivoted from COVID to trans folks and it hasn't stopped zeroing in on us. And so that was really good. So I would say like, I would do it again. Like at the end of the day, like I have this great platform, but I'm like, I don't have an apparatus around me. Like I, I, I'm a business owner. I spend my time being a business owner and my, my employees are client focused. And so when this whole thing happened, Hershey's was helpful. Hershey's was great. Uh, they were, I was on the phone with them all of the time. They helped me prep how to respond. They gave great advice. They gave me security guards. Like I can't complain. Right. But at the same time, like I don't have a comms expert or I don't have like a GR or PR person. Like I am, I was reacting as myself uh, and I wish that I had so much more of this like active support around me rather than just me having to like deal with it in isolation. I can't even begin to put into words how horrific what you experienced was. But sometimes, you know, having like a GRPR person to at least be that buffer, because then you are the one having to look at all these messages. You're the one staring at these constantly. And I hope to God nobody listening has ever had the horrible experience of being doxxed or having their information leaked. But it is a very real problem right now, especially for trans women and QT BIPOC folks um, within the community that like doxing for whatever reason is becoming a norm for all right people to just you know pull out and do and it's happening it's happening on the local level is the part like like i was talking to a pride organizer in thunder bay who got a death threat a few days ago i've heard from drag queens kings and performers who've received threats like there's the like targeting of folks who have like a national profile but then there is increasingly like this slander and hate on a local level that is still connected and driven by a lot of those far right figureheads. Yeah. And people don't realize, and to go back to your comment, and I'll, I'll slap myself on the wrist because I probably say this every single episode, but Canadians, we have the issue of being like, that's a US problem that happens down there. But if someone's really, really pissed off with you somewhere in the world and they get that information and they put that out there, that can very easily bring people together who are much more local to, to the individual, to do whatever they'd like with with that information. So it is a very serious thing that we need so many more laws to protect people, even outside of you know the queer community. Yeah, like Rebel News launched I, uh, about uh, two months ago now, I did an event in Regina with a local women's organization and Rebel News also like did a, a lower scale cancel campaign similar to what was done by Fox News. They had published 10 articles and four videos in a fortnight. They launched a petition and it got 10,000 signatures. And then they sent a reporter to Regina who found me having some fresh air in a park uh, and then realized that I was in the park across from my hotel and then published which hotel I was staying at on Twitter. And so like there is a thing that we do in Canada and it's like a naivete of Canadian exceptionalism where we imagine we're different from other countries, especially the US. I'm like, Homophobia and transphobia has been alive and well in Canada for a long time. Like, it's not that long ago that our government intentionally fired gay and queer people from the public service. It's not that long ago uh, that you could 
actively discriminate against queer and trans people without any legal repercussion for us. We, we forget uh, that just because we're sometimes a little bit more polite about it, we still have people capable of hate-motivated violence on every issue, and that it's not just an American thing, even if they're taking the American playbook, which we're seeing right now, and bringing those anti-trans tactics and narratives into Canada right now. Paces is all about connecting communities. And thanks to support from TD Bank Group, here is this episode's Connected Community Moment. Speaking of community engagement, ThriveWorks will be connecting with rural communities across Atlantic Canada to talk about career opportunities for 2SLGBTQ plus communities. And we want to hear from you on what you need the most to meet your career goals. Comment on our social media channels for your thoughts. We look forward to hearing from you. Happy, Happy summer! summer! This has been a HeySys and TD Bank Group Connected Communities moment because inclusion matters. So talking about changing playbooks, uh, I wanted to learn a little more about Wisdom to Action before we run out of time. Can you just give us a quick rundown of what Wisdom to Action does? Wisdom to Action is a queer and trans owned social enterprise and consulting firm. We work with nonprofits, health and social services, governments, and sometimes the private sector on queer and trans inclusion, gender justice, meaningful community engagement, uh, organizational development, so things like strap planning, and then helping organizations facilitate through complex issues and topics. Uh, my favorite example to that effect being that Canadian Blood Services is one of our clients, and we've been working with them for two years to help navigate and rebuild relationships with queer and trans communities through uh, trust building and uh, meaningful engagement work. My favorite joke when I talk about working with Canadian Blood Services uh, to queer folks is uh, if you don't like me for being the consultant lady working with CBS, you can meet me outside of the workshop with pitchforks, but you're going to have to fight the far right neo-Nazis <laughs> and rubber standing still after can come for me then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to stand in the queue. You got to get your ticket, wait your line. <laughs> and there is a fee. There's like one line for pitchforks, one line for tiki torches. Right? Oh, stop it. <laughs> I love it. In this new dynamic, is it changing the way that you're approaching advocacy? Absolutely. Um, on in, in some levels, on like a very like practical uh, front. So, for example, like when I do speaking in events, which are like a, a big part of how we function as a business. When I do training, when I do uh, speaking opportunities writ large, we have like safety plans that we have to work with our clients to uh, put into place to make sure that. Uh, my hotel can't be doxxed or that uh, if like to make sure there's a, like an exit for me uh, if there is something that happens and like that. We haven't had to use them in a big way, which is very great. Uh, but I see every time that I do an event that there is a higher risk in terms of our advocacy. Uh, I think it hasn't like it is changing our sector's tactics. I think for a long time. Uh, we were able to do more like government relations -y work. We could chat with this current government, which has done more for queer and trans communities than probably any in Canadian history. Uh, and we could imagine like we could get some wins, we could create some change. Uh, but it's been a long time since we had to do a really public battle. And that's what I'm spending my days both worried about uh, and trying to address now. The marriage equality fight was a huge public battle. That was the last one that we had that was to that scale. Trans rights legislation was a fight, but it wasn't one that we had a, a horrendously well-resourced enemy. We knew it was going to happen. It was something that was in development since the 90s. 
And by the time this government came in, we'd almost passed the bill just a year or so before. Conversion therapy was almost a given because it's banning a traumatic, invasive, horrible practice. And again, we had a government that was going to be on side. And so we haven't had very big public battles. Uh, and so this is the first time in a long while where we're having to gear up for shifting public opinion, uh, where we're also having to mobilize and, and you know, bring back counter protest tactics that we haven't had to use in a long while. Uh, and we're learning that uh, the far right has refined their misinformation machine uh, in a way that we have to respond to and that we're not used to. Like they've convinced thousands of people that we're trying to like convert kids into gay people or trans people. They have thousands of people who are like, I'm going to a protest, a counter protest in Ottawa tomorrow because they're targeting a drag story hour again. Like we are having to wake up to how precarious our progress is and how quickly uh, mobilization by the far right can jeopardize the gains that we have made and uh, create a context where you know this vitriol in our social sphere encourages everyday harassment of already vulnerable queer and trans people. Faye, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you go to McGill or was it University of Ottawa? Uh... So I went to U Ottawa for three years mm -hmm. and then bailed to finish at Carleton for my undergrad and master's. Okay, yeah, no, I was just wondering just because like some, um, you know, it's obviously fueled by a lot of money and these groups are figuring out how to raise money. And I had recently just through my my volunteer work with PFLAG have seen, you know, concern about some of these groups actually organizing and form a, an actual political party with elections coming up on the forefront. And, you know, the concerning questions are asked, like, how do people, how, how are they able to do that and be able to accept donations? Um, and how is there a way, you know, to stop that? Or are there recommendations of what you might put out there to to allies, people that want to help that, you know, can help, you know, really solidify the human rights that have been worked so hard to achieve here for for trans and non-binary people in Canada. It is a scary thing, right? Like we're seeing, so we're being out fundraised right now. Um, the like one group alone, Action for Canada, uh, fundraised $700,000 in 2022. Now, like, a lot of the, the bigots will allege that we get lots of government money as a sector. And that's not fully, I mean, we get more than we have before. That doesn't mean a lot. Uh, when we talk about federal investment in queer and trans communities, it's in the tens of millions, but we're talking about over a whole country, whereas they give billions to other sectors, communities, and issues. So like, and that's one piece. Like there is the, we do get federal funds, but it's not enough. And those are service and project funding. That is grant money that has to be used for approved projects and activities. What we don't have is big advocacy dollars. And what scares me right now, and what, I'm, what we're trying to address through the Society of Queer Momentum is the, the political and advocacy side of this. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to cut their money off with legislation. I think that we need to build our own war chests so that we can outfund them. I think that is the better solution uh, or the, the more effective solution, because how people spend their money is a tricky thing to regulate in this context. Um, so what we should have been ready for when New Brunswick's premier decided to throw trans kids under the bus in all kinds of icky ways, we should have been ready to hit every single progressive conservative riding with attack ads uh, or with narrative ads that said, your premier is putting the lives of trans and gender diverse kids at risk. And these kids deserve to be safe, both at home and at school. 
We know that many parents are there for their kids, but we also know that many of these kids might be at risk. And our schools, right, like to do a thing so that when we see regression on governments or within political spaces, we are ready to counter, not just with a nicely worded public statement, but with resources and strategies that will catch them off guard and change the narrative. Because we do need a world where people are afraid to be homophobes. That is the only way we will do this because they're making a world where we are afraid to be trans people and you can choose to be a homophobe. You don't get to choose to be a trans person. Yeah. And, you know, as a, tra as a parent of a trans child, like I see so many, um, you know, we are seeing like younger kids that, that, you know, they're not supported by their families, but the ones that are um, as well, if you have some parents though, that are on, on the fence, this fear mongering is like, it's so intense that, you know, even my, my own mother who is completely supportive and we've been on our journey for over six years now, had one conversation with somebody and then kind of came out and said, yeah, maybe, you know, children that young shouldn't be allowed to, and the language started to come out and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what, like, you know, where are you going with this? And you don't have full information. And there's just so much confusion around trans children with that fear, it just makes parents go, oh no, like this is, you know, and it's creating such a void, such a big, a big gap. And it is like, we often under, like, this is the thing that often, that, that actually scares me is that we underestimate, we imagine that the homophobes and the transphobes are stupid. We think of them as like the 80 year old grandparent who just hasn't gotten with the times yet. And that's not what this is. Like they find narrative strategies that are brilliant and hateful and terrifying. And so the focus on like, again, grooming and children, this narrative is one that is meant to tap into all of our desire to protect kids, which is a very healthy desire, but it's then leveraging that and pairing it with this misinformation around queer and trans people to create a context where, again, like, A, you're going to bring on board people who just don't know the context. They don't know the issue. They don't have a trans friend or person or ally in their life. And then it also is like the thing that scares me the what most with that narrative is it's the one that's most likely to get somebody assaulted. Because if a, if, a, if a bigot in a small town sees someone like me and has been told that we are predators, they are that much more likely to feel cozy engaging in a, 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 an act of violence in a preventative act of violence to keep kids safe from me. And that is a terrifying world that we could live in. Like that is gay bashing. In the 21st century. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the issues that a lot of folks tend to fall under is like they, we, we comply with like folks are just, you know, uneducated, but these people were at a point where these people have lived through lots of life changes. Lots of historic events have taken place no matter how old you are. And it's, it's willful ignorance at this point and, and plain bigotry because we can't just be like, oh, he's, you know, he doesn't know better. He's, harassing trans women or physically assaulting people. He doesn't know, but he knows what he's doing. He's well aware. And like these folks have spent like big money figuring out how to, how to bring people along, right? Like there is like, they find the right wedges, they zero in on it and they are really good at convincing people. Like they take, you know, shockingly trans people are able to do bad things. Like there are trans folks who are abusers. There are trans folks who are manipulative. There are trans people who are predators. That is the thing that we know. Shockingly, also, straight folks have a long history of being abusers and predators and women and men and everybody else does too. 
but they take isolated examples of a trans person doing a bad thing and they use that to paint a picture of a whole community. And like, we wouldn't tolerate that if it was done to gay people in 2023, not to the same degree. There's still wiggle room for it, unfortunately, but they recognize that they can turn a single story into the narrative of a whole community. And they've leaned into that like nobody's business. If you're a, a trans person existing on socials, you've probably been called a groomer at this point. If you're an ally to trans folks, you've probably been called a groomer at this point. When it comes to the place for humor and all this, Emma, the meme that you shared for me, yeah, my mom says you turned me gay. And what was it? I did. Tell her she's next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I love that. And it is like, I think like, like to, to, give a healthy undertone all of this is like the way that we respond to part of this is by like a mocking it like nobody's business uh but not letting them like i worry my job is to yell at to yell or politely talk with straight people in the public around queer and trans issues and so i do a lot of like the world is bad this is doom and gloom and scary but the thing that keeps community going is celebrating the joy and the connection and the culture and all that we have as a people to offer each other and to offer the world around us. Like drag is an incredible art form that has changed how we think about gender and contributed to fashion around the world. Like the queens are leading fashion in a huge way. And so we can recognize all of the good things and the joy and the celebration that our community gives to the world. Around. So I wanna jump on that for a quick second um, because I myself am very horrible at this. And throughout this conversation and throughout, you know, your social media presence and your presence in the public throughout, oh my goodness, the past six months and, you know, throughout your experiences, you've remained very strong, collected, you know, resilient throughout this. So I was just curious, do you have any tips for grounding yourself or staying calm when you are the target of harassment, it's especially when it's online and a little bit difficult to kind of avoid? Allow your spouse to steal your phone and not give it back uh, is genuinely <laughs> one of the best. Like, it will suck you in. Like, I I was really bad at this during the Hershey's thing. Like, it's hard to not, when figureheads are talking about you, it's hard to A, not respond. Uh, it's hard not to swear at them and then, like, throw fuel on the fire in a way. Uh, but it's hard not to read everything. So give your phone to somebody else. My spouse is allowed to take my phone when things get bad and just, like, put it somewhere else. And that is a hard and fast rule. Uh, the second thing is, like, let yourself break down if that's what you need. And, like, I literally, like, the world doesn't get to see me when I'm a mess. My spouse sees me. My close friends see me. And if I have a space where I can channel it, it allows me to keep doing this work in a good way. The third is drink more coffee because coffee somehow just makes it all work. And don't forget to chill with your ferrets. And if you don't have ferrets, get some ferrets. But I think it is, like, it, it's not all on you. Like it is like, I think that's one of the things that, that scares me, especially like we see this in community where there's when a young trans person comes out and steps onto the scene, uh, they do everything in six months and then they're overwhelmed and then they're exhausted and it's not sustainable. Like I can do this work because I am like a white lady from a middle class family who walks in these spaces with a hell of a lot of privilege. And I have these safety nets and I have this like all of this support around me. Uh, but when you aren't those things, when you have precarity in your life, when you have, uh, when you, you're from different contexts than mine, like it, you don't have those given things. And so it is easier 
it is both easier to give your all in a way, and then it is also harder to survive and stay in the space because you don't have those foundations of power, privilege, and support that somebody like me does. So it's the world will not end if you don't respond to the media request, or if you don't organize that protest, or if you just like chill and like drink sangria on a weekend instead of going to things. I think that's such good advice. It's, it's, yeah, as I do think you definitely need to, you need to recharge in this climate. You need to fill your bucket. Tomorrow is the 54th, 54th anniversary of the Stonewall Rising, like more than half a century, you know, and I just think it's a, you know, we need to reflect back, like where, where we are now, where we were, like how, where we've come in certain ways and where we're going, you know? Yeah, the dreams of our elders are still not realized, right? Like they, they wanted a world that's radically different than this one, uh, but also like bask in the fact that like we can exist as out queer and trans people with a much lower propensity for that to result in violence than they face. And like that is, I think we often have a very like, we have, we, there are so many crises and causes and problems and it's like the doom and gloom is very alive and well out there. Uh, but it's also powerful to recognize how far we've come and how quickly we've got there. My trans elders were thrown out of spaces that I'm now welcomed into. You think that they were allowed to have businesses with straight clients rather than having to like survive on friends' couches and community? No, we've come so far. And that uh, can give us a lot of hope for where we can get in the next 10 and 20 years. Yeah, it's very surreal being able to walk into, I mentioned this the other day, but it's very surreal being able to walk into like an institution or like a church or some very old architectural buildings where you're like, I know the white old crotchety man who built made this building absolutely hates my guts, but I'm here. Um, and sometimes that's the beauty too about Pride Month. I mean, obviously don't slap a sticker or rainbow flag on things like blah, 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 corporate pride. But like, it's kind of like interesting. Like I was in Toronto a couple of weeks ago and like all the old architecture had like rainbow flags on them. And I was like, this is, this is nice. I like this. <laughs> yeah. We have trans people in office. Like there are trans politics. Like, yeah. We don't have a trans MP yet. We're going to work on that. Uh, and I have some ideas for friends who would be great for it. Uh, <laughs> but it is like, we have members of provincial parliament and I just like, we have my co-owner, MLA, Lisa Lachance, the first openly genderqueer MLA in Nova Scotian history. We have our non-binary MLA in, in uh, Manitoba. We have an ML gay in Alberta. Like, there I love are, that. <laughs> uh, and we're, like, we are in spaces and allowed to be in spaces that we've been systemically forced out of. And there is power in that because we are in rooms. And once you get in the room, it is actually a hell of a lot harder for them to kick you out of it. Amen. Amen. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I think this is a natural kind of ending point, but, um, you know, I'll say on behalf of, of our team, thank you tremendously for, for coming on and, you know, talking about your experiences, as I know, um, you've, you've shared your experiences on many news outlets. So I encourage folks to look up some of them, research the work that, and the incredible work that you're doing, um, and become more informed on, on policies and practices that you're trying to put forward. Um, but obviously we wanted to have you here to talk about your experiences more on one-on-one -on -one and, uh, share them with our community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the chance to be here to anybody watching. We have a campaign calling on the feds to take rising hate seriously at www.act4queersafety.ca. Uh, and it's been an honor chatting with you. Thank you so much for the chance to, to connect today. 
Thanks so much for coming. Thanks so much for coming. And we'll hopefully have you back in season four. <laughs> and and y'all are all Halifax, right? So I can come yeah. when there yes. you a, come. A or a drink or a something. Yeah. We would love that. Oh, <laughs> sangria. I, <laughs> oh, if it's a sangria, I will drive up from Tro any day. <laughs> That's all the time we have today, folks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hey Sis. The conversation doesn't have to stop here, though. If you would like to get in touch with us to ask us a question or share your story on a future episode, you can email us at connect at simplygoodform.com or visit us on our website at www.hasis.com. 